0: but big groups of people always say when you ask them that, say good. But if we were one-on-one, and I was going to say, how are you doing? You might say good. You might say, hey, not so good. But another answer that people always come up with is, oh, busy. I'm busy. And there's a lot of people that I've talked to this week. They've actually said that as their answer. Yeah, I'm I'm busy. And a lot of us, even all of us, I think at some point or another or all the time, we feel busy. And if you... Google, why does everyone feel busy? You're going to find stuff about the culture of busyness. They call it the cult of busyness. Everybody is feeling busy. It doesn't matter who you are, nobody or very few people feel like they have plenty of extra time. And we're busy because we have this desire to just add more stuff to our lives, desire to say yes to stuff. And with this desire to say yes to more when we're busy, it leaves us in a spot where we want to. Save time so that we can get more stuff in. And the technology industry, they've taken advantage of this. They're giving us lots of ways to save time and make life easier through just general technology. And for for me and Aaron, a way that we've tried to save time with technology is we got a robot vacuum this year. Okay? Got a robot vacuum. So I have a robot at my house. Okay? So we got a robot vacuum saving me. So much time, all that time that I never vacuumed, I now have a robot that does that for me. But when we have these time savers, we actually don't see where that time is that we've saved. We don't actually notice a lot of the time that we've actually saved time. So for me, now that I have a vacuum or a robot that vacuums my house, I actually don't notice all that time that I'm not vacuuming. I don't have 30 minutes a week or something like that. 30 minutes would be generous. I probably never vacuumed 30 minutes straight before, but I actually don't know where that time is. Some of that time with my robot vacuum is spent looking for my robot vacuum because it gets lost a lot, right? So I come downstairs after it's vacuumed and I see its little docking station and there's no robot there and I don't hear my robot. We call him Butler, actually. We don't hear Butler vacuuming our home so I have to go looking for him and then I find him and then I find that he got stuck somewhere and then I find that all oh, the, the containers full of, full of garbage, not garbage I guess, we don't have garbage all over our house but um, dust dust and cat hair and then I have to empty it and then I have to clean the roller out and then I have to put it back so actually probably a robot vacuum isn't saving me time, I'm just doing more vacuum related things than ever so that might not have been the best example but all that being said, none of us feel like we have a lot of extra time. A lot of us, and maybe all of us, we feel busy. Everybody feels busy. So we're going to take a look at a passage in scripture in First Peter, and just to give you a bit of context about this. So First Peter, um, anyone have any idea who might have wrote the book of Peter? Just shout it out. Peter, yes, Peter, good job. We're all locked in here. Peter wrote the book of Peter. So 1 Peter was a letter to churches throughout a large section of Rome, and it was a letter of encouragement to these churches, and encouragement in a time where they were being persecuted, not necessarily by the government. That definitely happened. The Roman Empire persecuted the Christians like nobody's business, but they were being persecuted by the people around them, just just the other citizens were persecuting them. They were giving them a hard time for living differently. They were giving them a hard time for following this person named Jesus. They were giving them a hard time about maybe not sacrificing to all the pagan gods that they had. They just didn't like the way that the Christians were living, so they're giving them a really hard time. So these letters were written to these churches as an encouragement. So this is 1 Peter 2.11. It says this, Dear friends, I warn you, as temporary residents and foreigners. So he calls them temporary residents and foreigners because we as Jesus followers, we believe that there is more to this life than just this lifetime, right? We believe that uh, this world is not our home. We believe that Jesus is gonna come back and set things right. He's gonna put things back to the way they were at the very beginning where there was no sin, no heartache in this world. So this world is our temporary home. So that's why he calls them temporary Residents and foreigners. So, dear friends, I warn you as temporary residents and foreigners to keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. Keep away from worldly desires that wage war against your very souls. So, I read this. Maybe you've read this or you're reading it for the first time today. What would be worldly desires that would wage war against our souls? You might come up with something like greed, lust, power... It could be drugs, it could be pornography, it could be heavy drinking. Those things that wage war against your very soul. And those things do. But what if the way that you're using your time, what if the busyness of your life is actually waging war against your soul? What if the way you're using your time, how busy you are, is keeping you from God's best for your life? So, that's what we're going to talk about today, we're going to talk about our time. So, all of us, we have 24 hours every day. So, all of us, we could say, yes, I have 24 hours every day. Everyone who's ever lived has had 24 hours every single day. No one has ever had more time, no one's ever had less. 24 hours, right? We could all be in agreement on that? Yes, 24 hours, okay. So, the thing about time, we talk about time like it's money. Right, We have a lot of sayings that, that uh, compare time to money. So we say, time is money, right? We say time is money. We talk about how we invest our time. Yep. We talk about how we spend time. Yep, we're getting there. Spend time, we talk about how we save time. Yeah. But not all of us, as we spend our time, spend our time the same way we would spend our money. A lot of us here, maybe all of us here, we want to be really good with our money, right? We want to be really good. And if you don't want to be really good with your money yet, you just have to make a mistake with your money and then you're going to want to be good with your money. And as Jesus followers, we want to be good stewards of our money. And that's a Bible word that just means managers, right? So as Jesus followers, we are stewards of our money. That means we're the managers of our money and not the owners of our money. So we want to use our money in a way that God would want us to use it to accomplish his purposes here on the earth. But what about our time? Are we as careful with our time? Do we want to be good managers of our time like we would want to be with our money? So the question today is if time were actually money, would you be happy with how you're spending it? So if time were actually money, would you be happy with how you're spending it? And then the follow-up question to that is, do you actually know how you're spending your time? And here's the thing, here's the difference between time and money. Money, we can spend it, we can lose it all, but we can actually get more back. So it might be hard work, might might be hard for you, it might be a heartbreaking situation, but you can always get more money back, but time... Time is a non-replenishable resource. Once you've spent your time, you never get that time back. And there's no guarantee that you're going to get any more time at all. Right? Who's happy they came to church this morning? That's encouraging. (laughs) So, I was thinking about this and thinking about my own busyness. And here's something, just a side note about busyness. We all feel busy, but on average... Um, we're not the busiest people that have ever lived. You actually probably have more free time than all the generations before you. The thing that makes you feel busy might be your technology. People talk about, they call it the fragmentation of life that technology has caused. So that means that when you are at work, your family can get a hold of you really easy, your friends can, you can be making plans as you're working. Or when you're at home, same thing, work can get you when you're at home and everybody expects to have contact with you whenever they want. So this is the fragmentation of life. So you're not actually as busy as you feel. That feeling you feel is real. We are all always on because of technology. But just be aware that maybe you're not as busy as you actually think. But moving on. So I was going to look at my own life, because I need to do this if I'm going to ask you to do it. I'm going to look at my own life, and I was trying to figure out, okay, where, where am I spending my time? So this year we had the Raptors, Amazing playoff run. Who's a Raptors fan? Okay, like, not that many. Who's a Maple Leafs fan? Oh, even less. Oh wow, that's surprising. <laughs> well, not really. They didn't do very well. and never will. But <coughs> So the Raptors playoff run, okay? They had 24 games. So if you're a fan like me, you watched all 24 games or almost all the 24 games, and an NBA game takes two to two and a half hours, okay? So there's 24 games at two to two and a half hours, just game time, not pre or post game. If you watched all those over a span of eight weeks, you spent 48 to 60 hours in front of your television, which is what I did, and I watched a lot of other games and the season, so tons and tons of time was spent that I didn't even realize that I was spending. And even during this playoff run, I made more time for myself to watch TV, and I'd be watching Netflix, and then all of a sudden, this would pop up. Are you still watching? Netflix couldn't even believe how much time I was spending watching Netflix, and Netflix wants me to watch Netflix. So, when that popped up, I'd be like, Netflix, this is very convicting, and then I would press, continue watching, and carry on. (laughs) So, so much time is spent that we don't even realize on stuff that maybe isn't our priority. And something I know to be true about myself, and it's probably true about you, is that we all have this list of stuff that, if I had more time, I would. If I had more time, I would spend more time with my kids. If I had more time, I would uh, join a life group at church. If I had more time, I would maybe serve at church. If I had more time, I would take my wife on a date every single week. If I had more time, right? So these things that I just listed, they don't take a lot of time, like hour, two hours a week maybe, these things that I'm talking about. And so I was thinking about that, these things that if I had more time, I would do if I actually was given more time. So say two hours just appeared in my week, two hours appeared in your week, so you've got two extra hours, and then you actually have more time do you actually think that you would notice it? And for me, I don't think I would notice that I had two hours extra. I think it'd be like when they add that 1%, 1 1.5% raise on your paycheck. Yeah, that's real, it happened, but I, I don't know where that money goes. It Just goes in and out of the bank account. It's there, it's real, but I do not use my money any differently. And so, along with this list of stuff that if I had more time, I would, you also, whether you know it or not, whether you've written them down or not, have a list of priorities, things that you hold higher than anything else in your world. For some of you, it might be family. For some of you, it might be work. For some of you, it might be rest and relaxation. These are things that you hold really high that are priorities for you. And for a lot of us here today, it would be Jesus. We've said Jesus, he is a priority for my life. But here's the thing that is true in all of our lives, but we may not realize it's happening. So even though we have these intentions, I intend to put Jesus first. I intend to have a great family. I intend to be really successful at work. Our intentions do not determine our destination in life. What determines, what does determine if you end up where you said you were going? What determines if these things that are in your heart that you say are your priorities? What determines if you actually end up there? It's not your intention alone. It's actually the direction that you're heading your life in. So just like if I were um, after church to say, hey, I'm going to drive to Toronto tonight or this afternoon. I'm going to drive to Toronto. I jump in my car and in my heart, I'm headed to Toronto. But then I turn my car on and I just start driving in whatever direction my car is pointed, I'd actually probably drive through the back wall of the church, but if it was facing a road, if I just started driving wherever my car was pointed, I am likely not gonna end up in Toronto, even though that is where my heart is set on going. If my heart, if my intentions and my direction are not lined up, you're not gonna end up where you wanna go because direction, not your intention, determines your destination. Someone much wiser than me said this, direction, not intention, determines your destination. And so thinking about these priorities. So a lot of times we have these priorities, we might even be living them out, but then in our busy lives, stuff always happens. Stuff always happens, bad stuff happens, difficult things happen, you might have work deadlines closing in, your kid might be having a hard time at school, Um, but things come up that seem extremely urgent in your world. Things come up that are urgent, and when the urgent comes up in a busy life, urgent often overwhelms what is actually important. And Jesus, he promised that this stuff would happen. He said, you're going to have storms in this life. Again, more encouraging stuff for me this morning. You're going to have storms in this life, but... I'm going to see you through it. And when people go through these storms, and myself included, it's easy to drop the stuff that seems like extra, things that seem like extracurricular. So if you need to really focus in on work, you get tunnel vision on work, and maybe you don't have time for for devotions in the morning. Maybe you don't have time for your life group anymore. Maybe you pull away from serving because you just have to see this through. You have to work on this because it is something that seems so urgent. But as this urgency comes, you begin to overwhelm what is important. And when something jumps to the top of your list of what you're spending your time on, that can't mean that you have two things at the top anymore. If you give something more time, it has to mean that something else is getting less. And we don't notice, but things start to, that once we're at the top of the list, might start to just slowly click their way down, down, down to the point where maybe you're not spending enough time on them anymore. But we're gonna look at somebody who really knows what he's talking about. We're gonna look at what Jesus said about this. So Matthew 6, 33 says this. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. So in these times when we're in these storms where the urgent starts to overwhelm the important, those are the times when we need to be hanging on to Jesus, hanging on to the things Jesus has called us to do more than ever because these are the things that line us up with God's heart. These are the things that will get us through the storm because we're hanging on to Jesus. So Jesus says, seek the kingdom of God above all else. So if I was reading this and I was thinking about this list of priorities that I have, and it says, seek the kingdom of God above all else, that jumps seeking the kingdom of God above all else in my list, right? So I was looking at this verse and I was looking at the word seek. So you can look at this word seek and I know I've read this a bunch and seek makes me just think of looking, right? So you seek something, you look for it. But I could stand here this morning and be seeking something, and just very passively just look around this room seeking it. But seeking and looking are very different things. Me just looking around, I'm not putting a lot of effort into it. Me seeking God, maybe some days might look like, okay, like the notification on my phone came up, here's the verse of the day. I like read half of it that shows up on my home screen, swipe it away. That was me seeking God today, or maybe it was, I cracked open my Bible, did the old pick and flick. See if something comes up, you read it, uh, no not much today. Or maybe that daily email that comes in with the same thing, verse of the day, maybe that is what happens and you look at it and you're like, okay, that's yeah, that was me seeking God for today. But the word seek actually has a crazy intensity to it. When you look up the word seek, it is it is an action word, it's a verb. And when they describe the word seek in the dictionary, they use the example of someone seeking out shelter in a storm. So if you're seeking shelter in a storm, that is a serious situation. It could be a life or death situation. And parents, grandparents, think about this. If you were in a storm and you were with your kids or your grandkids, if you needed to seek out shelter because you were in a car and you ran out of gas and there was no heat left and you knew that you guys would just freeze, what intensity you would have to find that shelter, right? You wouldn't just passively check out the window, oh, there's nothing, or if there was a tornado coming, you wouldn't just be like, oh, I'm not so sure that I can find something today. You know, you would have intensity. You would do whatever it took. You'd be one of those super moms who lift cars off of babies. You would, you'd go all out. There's nothing you would not do to save your family, right? And is it that way when you seek the kingdom of God in your life? Do you have that intensity to it? Or are you just looking around and, and seeing him? Yeah, yeah, I, I sought him today. No one says that, I don't think. But, um, but are, is there an intensity to what you're doing? And here's the last part of this verse. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything that you need. Because when we're busy, the urgent, it overwhelms the important. And some of you might be listening right now and be like, that's, that's a nice idea. I Not only do I not have time to do whatever you're talking about, about seeking, I'm also, I'm drained. I'm drained and I just don't have energy for this. You don't understand how how tired I am, how overwhelming my life is. But there's more to us than just our physical bodies, right? So we believe that we are physical bodies, but we also have a spirit that needs to be rested, that needs to be nourished. And just an example that you can probably relate to, if you've ever had a vacation, if you've ever had a vacation that you've been looking forward to, you're so tired from work, you're on a vacation, you go, you do tons of stuff, you're you're actually really busy on your vacation, you get back, and then you say, man, I need a vacation from my... Vacation, right? So you're rested, you're physically rested, maybe, but you are not ready to go. And, like, honestly, myself, I just came off a vacation. I was not ready to go when I got back. I was very physically rested, but spiritually, I was not ready to go. Is it okay if I'm honest with you this morning? Yep, okay. So, there's more to us than just our physical bodies. We need to be spiritually set, spiritually ready to go. And here's what I'm not saying this morning. I'm not saying that you need to try and find a perfect balance for your life. I actually don't believe there is some kind of perfect balance that you can find, because my life so far, and people's lives that I've watched so far, you always seem to have a focus. If you're a kid, it's just on growing up and playing, and then it's on school, and then if you have kids, then you're you're raising your kids, or you're raising your dog, if you're a dog father like I am, or... Or you're newly married, you're sinking time into that marriage, or you're heavy into work life, or then you're retired, and maybe you're focusing on a lot of different things, or on your grandkids, you know? So we've got these focuses in life. So I'm not talking about trying to find this amazing balance, but I am talking about priorities this morning. What are your priorities? Is your intention for your life in line with the direction that you're actually headed? Is your intention for your life in line for the, for the direction that you're headed right now? And so for me, like, I want to be a good husband. It's my intention to be a good husband. Am I always a great husband? I don't know. You'd have to ask Aaron. Probably not always. I want to be healthy and fit, but I am a youth pastor, and I host pizza parties and eat garbage food all, all week long here, so that does not always happen. And if you call yourself a follower of Jesus... You said to yourself, you said to others that you want to put Jesus first in everything. So we all have these intentions, but are we actually headed that way? And this morning, I'm not telling you what direction to send your life in. But I will again say what Jesus said. Jesus said to seek him first, seek his kingdom first above our own. And so I find in my life, when I'm really doing this, when Jesus and the things that he wants me to go after are at the top of my list, it makes me better at everything else down the rest of my list. So when I'm seeking him first, it makes me a better husband. It makes me love Aaron a lot more like Jesus loves his church. It makes me better at my job. It makes me a better friend. It makes me a better son. It makes me have more capacity for my emotion to handle other people's emotion when I'm seeking his kingdom first. And here's the thing about Jesus. He doesn't want you to put him first because he's selfish. He doesn't want you to, to join a life group, get around other people that are on the same journey as you because he's selfish. He doesn't want to, want you to spend time with him in the morning because he's selfish. He wants you to do these things because this is the way that all of us, all of us, were designed to live. This is the way we were designed to live. So when we think about time, time is your life. Time is your life. The way you spend your time, the way you spend your lifetime, right? We talk about it as a lifetime. That is the story that you're writing about your life. It's a really simple thought, but... I don't know that we think about that enough. I know I don't. The way you're spending your time is a story that you're writing about your life. Psalm ninety twelve says this. Teach us to realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. So teach us to realize that life is brief. Teach us to realize that life is short. Other translations say Teach us to number our days. Teach us to number our days. You think about that, that expression, you hear it in movies a lot, a bad guy or Liam Neeson calls someone and he says, your days are numbered, right? And that just means like, your time's coming to a close. Liam Neeson's come to get you, right? <laughs> Taking movies. Um, but even if you live until you're 100 years old, right? You live a full, really long life. In light of eternity... That is very short. It's a very short time. So when you learn to number your days, you realize that today could be it. And that's not, that's not a, a thought to make us all bummed out this morning, right? But if you realize that today could possibly be it, you're gonna wanna make the most of today. You really are gonna wanna make the most of today. And it says, so that we may grow in wisdom. So when you realize that, Your days are numbered and that today could be the last time you're given time. You're going to want to grow in wisdom. And what is that wisdom? That wisdom is that God is in and through all things. And he wants to be in and through everything in your life. So when we learn to number our days, when we realize how short life actually is, you're going to want to spend your time differently. Worship team, you can come on up. So, this has been a nice little chat we've had, kind of one way, but if we don't have application for this, it's just a nice thought. Um, Like, truth without application is, it's honestly not very useful. So, challenge for you. Number one, we need to see where our time is going. Are you happy with the way you're spending it? So, keep... A time diary. If you're a guy, you're like, no thanks, diary. Keep a log, keep a timesheet, do something, figure out where your time is actually going. And for some of you that are on your phone a lot, there's a lot of information in here that is gonna tell you exactly where your time is going. Hint, it's probably Netflix, probably scrolling through Instagram, Facebook, or shopping on Amazon. That one will tell you where your time and your money is going. But number two, prioritize. What matters? If time were actually money, would you be happy with the way that you're spending it? Or do you wanna spend it differently? And number three, this is the real application part of it. Do one small thing, do one small thing. Is the stuff that you say is important to you? Is it at the top of your list? Are you making time for what you actually care about? Are you making time for the things that you intend to make your life all about? Maybe it's you're gonna wake up 20 minutes earlier so you can spend some time with God. Maybe you're gonna join a life group this year. It's one of those things that I would love to do, but I don't have enough time, right? Maybe you're gonna begin to serve at church this year. What are you gonna do if you call yourself a follower of Jesus to seek his kingdom first, to put him first in your life? What is it that you're gonna do so if time were actually money, are you happy with how you're spending it? Are your intentions and your direction, are they in sync so that you're actually heading to where you want to go? Are you letting the busyness of life, or you letting the urgency of things overwhelm what is really important to you? Because when you put God first in your life, like I was talking about, It doesn't mean everything else is gonna be bad. It means that God is gonna show you how to do everything else on the rest of your list. He's gonna be in and through everything. He's actually in and through everything already. You just might not see it yet. So I just pray that you would take this to heart. Think about the way you're spending your time because Jesus clearly said he has a way that he wants you to spend it. And this is the way that we were all designed to live. So I'm gonna pray and then we're gonna worship. Jesus, we, we thank you um, for who you are. We thank you for, for all that you've done for us, God. And I just pray this morning that you'd help us all, myself included, to reflect on the way that we are spending our time. Are we treating our time as precious or are we just treating it as something that free and we're probably gonna get more of, Lord? Um, I just pray that um, people here today that are feeling that little nudge of, okay, I know exactly what it is, that I need to do, God. I pray that you give them the strength, discipline, and wisdom to do what they need to do to to readjust their priorities so that they are headed in the direction that they want to be headed, that you have for them, God. I just pray that you would never let the busyness of life overwhelm us um, beyond what we can bear because you say that you won't let us uh, go through anything that we can't handle, Lord, with you. So this morning, um, just thank you for this time we've had together and just pray that... uh, you would change hearts, change mindsets in Jesus' name.